This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for a bigger job, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. This podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where we prefer illusion to despair. I'm one of your hosts, the Crotch Dot Survivor, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today, as always? Lover of McNuggets and magazines, Henry Gilbert. <laughs> and who is our special guest on the line? Hi everyone, my name is Django Gold. My favorite cigar size is Robusto. And this week's episode is The Dad Who Knew Too Little. This was today? The girl was supposed to call. Oh, let's get this over with. That was uh, what happened when we actually started the call with Django. I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> to, to reveal yeah. that. Uh, this week's episode originally aired on January 5th, 2003. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, boy, Bobby. Kangaroo Jack tops the box office. <laughs> the Supreme Court deems Congress extending copyright terms as constitutional and on Comedy Central Chappelle show debuts. Oh. So yeah, it's a big big week here. A lot of counter programming. <laughs> so yeah, this is also the start of 2003 and Kangaroo Jack just gets like dumped in, it was a shock hit in the start of 2003. Like January is usually just when they dump anything and it's an amazing scam that they pulled. I don't know if you guys know your Kangaroo Jack history. Oh, I know the scam because a similar movie played the same scam a year prior but it was miscommunicating what the movie actually was about right yes Henry? yeah yeah so basically kangaroo jack is was filmed as a pg-13 basically midnight run in australia was how it set up it's for michael bay's production company and all this so and jerry o'connell and anthony anderson are supposed to like be scoping out bodacious babes and swearing at each other and having silly uh you know pg-13 adventures but then they realize they're kidnapping a kangaroo in it and they're like if we could add one scene to this that's like three minutes long of a kangaroo dancing and talking in a dream sequence then we cut that out make this movie pg and trick children into thinking it's a kid's movie and it works crafty have you guys seen this movie I've never seen it, no, no. <laughs> but I'm guessing it's like 82 minutes long. Right. We, we could knock it out during this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just put it on the background. <laughs> yeah. 
and we can all pause when he starts rapping. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> and he just sings like it set like the oldest of rap. I think it's Rapper's Delight is what he parodies in it too. And it's yeah, yeah I, I'm sure all of the talking kangaroo Jack footage was in the commercials. Now a similar, not a similar kind of movie, but a movie played a similar trick the previous year. The film Snow Dogs with cinematic hero Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> uh, he's been up to some fun things lately. Anyhow. Uh, in the ads, they only played the clip, or they focused on the one clip where, like, he hits his head or he gets drunk. I don't know what happens in the movie, but at some point, the dogs start talking to him. But they don't talk throughout the rest of the movie. It's it's a dream sequence. It's a fantasy sequence. So much like Kangaroo Jack, it was sold. Uh, the people were sold a bill of lies, a bill of false goods. Golly. It's funny you mentioned Snow Dogs, Bob, because that is that was in an L.A. Times article like a month after Kangaroo Jack was a big hit. And they're like, OK, what happened? And one of the stories they report on is that like the head of Warner Brothers is leaving a showing of like a test screening and he sees an ad for Snow Dogs or like a poster for Snow Dogs. He's like, hey, wait a minute. We should do that. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. What a crafty, crafty deception. You have all these disappointed kids showing up on their birthday parties, hoping to see the fun kangaroo movie. It's just like a, like this weird, like kind of almost drama. <laughs> I feel for parents who have to be like, oh, I guess this has like uh, several. Uh, according to that L.A. Times article, there's several like boob jokes in it. Mm. Like there's a joke where they accidentally grope a woman in the movie, and they're like, I, Whoops. I would feel for a parent to take it in that. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. Is that sort of like how Ace Ventura was conceived as a R-rated comedy, but then because kids loved In Living Color and Jim Carrey, they kind of busted it down to PG-13, which is why he's getting his dick sucked in that movie, and it's just <laughs> why it ends with a horrifying transphobic joke. Yes, yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. The marketing geniuses. And yeah, we have SCOTUS upholding the extension of copyright terms. Still a problem this day. In this decade, Mickey Mouse is supposed, or at least Steamboat Willie is supposed to finally enter public domain. We'll see if it gets punted again, as it has for the last like 30 years of our, uh, pretty much every, all of our lifetime. Man, that'd be a huge loss for Disney if they lose the Mickey Mouse public domain. <laughs> I cannot imagine <laughs> what people are going to do with that mouse. <laughs> it'll sort of be like Winnie the Pooh, though. I feel once that enters public domain, it'll be like, here's the fucked up Steamboat Willie. Right. <laughs> It'd be funny, too, if it was like, no, it can only be Steamboat Willie. It can't be any other version of Mickey's yeah. <laughs> is, is public domain. Just yeah. Steamboat it has Willie. to be whistling a jaunty tune at all times. <laughs> or else then it is the, the copywritten Mickey Mouse that Disney owns. So if he ever stops whistling, then it's not Steamboat Willie. No. And then we have the debut of Chappelle's show, which I only feel safe now saying I never liked Aww. it. I had to keep that a secret for years wow. but i never did i just felt i mean i understand the value of the show and everything but it was not the kind of sketch comedy i like and the kind of comedy i like is not when they explain the sketch to you before they show it that's not my <laughs> sure, kind of thing sure. now that you mentioned it, that was kind of a weird aspect of it where it was like the theme of this one will be yeah and the show had musical guests right yeah mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's also how you pad out a show and you didn't have to write a third as many sketches i think too yeah, it's, it's a 20-minute long show, and there's maybe, like, 15 episodes. I feel like so much time was wasted with musical acts. Sorry, I'm the stinker on this podcast. Mm. But now he's, like, hanging out with Elon Musk, so it's, it's totally cool to just, like, Chappelle's yeah, show. Yeah, History boy, you out, yeah. Yeah, hey, well, <laughs> I was a fan then. I really enjoyed the Chappelle show. Me and my friends watched it a million times. Like, it was one of those early, well, I mean, the internet was pretty established by 2003, but not the internet like we know it. But Chappelle show definitely was one of those, like, check this shit out from a sketch. Like, you would share, share yeah. with pals. Yeah. Yeah, it was raunchy. You know, Henry, I only like sketch shows where uh, participants were at January 6th. That's what, what qualifies <laughs> that's, a good sketch show a good for me. That's a good sketch show. It's a classic sketch yeah. show if one of the guys was a 
Yeah, January 6th, yes. Yeah. I think Chappelle might be close to getting there at this point. I'd say if there's another January 6th, <laughs> no. I, I would not I would not put it past him to be in, in attendance. <laughs> but but no, I mean, Chappelle show, like, especially for, say, if you're a stand-up comedian, I would think back back then, 20 years ago, pretty a pretty influential show. Yeah. I mean, from, from what I recall, it was, like, the first time, like, you really ever saw, like, serious issues of race being, like, really ruthlessly, like, discussed and mocked, you know? Even Living Color wasn't doing that. Yeah, I, uh, I also think on Chappelle's show, how it compares to Simpsons is that I was just reminding you this, like, for a little while, Simpsons season one was the highest selling, like, DVD TV show ever, but then mm. Chappelle's season one beat it. Like, it was like, mm. I don't know if it still holds a record, but it was the first season and the second season soon after, highest selling, like, DVDs of, uh, of the TV show ever. Like, Comedy Central probably got to run, like, three extra years just based on the success of those dvds yeah <laughs> and i recall it was like a party dvd like you came over to a party and it's just like oh we, we just have it on in the background like just hit it hit, put it on play all and just have it playing the whole time yeah. and then fall asleep to the menu yeah. <laughs> much later in the night as it loops uh but joining us this time is first time guest django gold he is a comedy writer and star of the new stand-up comedy special bag of tricks welcome to the show django thanks for having me fellas well and django yeah we me and bob are just telling you off mic how much we enjoyed your new special that's on your youtube channel the but bag of tricks like i mocking libertarians and masturbating gamers like that's you mm -hmm. know it's it's two sides of the same coin sometimes but i really yeah it might, it might yeah. be the yeah. same the same side of the same coin in many cases <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah thanks for watching i put a lot of time into it I'm glad, glad people i like don't it. i don't want to give away any jokes django but the special has forever changed the way i will describe having fallen asleep that's all i'm gonna <laughs> there say there you go that's a nice little teaser for all you viewers out there if you want to know what bob's talking about bag of, bag of tricks available now on youtube and I mean, how long had that been a priority for you? Was this your first like full hour special? It was, and it kind of came together kind of haphazardly. I never originally wanted to do one of these just because so many people make them. And it felt like, you know, like why spend all this time on something that's going to be like a drop of water in the ocean? My friend, Pat Bircher, who's also a very funny comedian, he was saying, oh, hey, you make an album, you start getting a little bit of passive income on Sirius XM. And then I was like, money? So that kind of <laughs> inspired me to do it in the first place. But then like, as I started spending time, I was like, oh, this actually be, this should be good. It should look good. It should be original. It should be like in my voice. It should be an expression of what I want comedy to be. So I started taking it more and more seriously as the process went on. And then the ultimate product, I think, really reflects what I wanted it to be. Yeah, I was going to say, if people think when I said, like, oh, it's on your YouTube channel, it's like, this is not you on, like, <laughs> this is not a, a static <laughs> camera and you just talking into no. it. This is yeah. a real special. <laughs> but, yeah. Django was not in his car. Yeah. Right. R yeah. Ranting about the government. During this special. No, we had, we had putting a lot of production into it. We had four cameras, two tapings. It turned out to be a big deal. And the, the guys who put together, my directors and the editor in particular, just really... Made, made into like a beautiful visual experience that does justice to the jokes. And, and Django too, like in your career, you were a writer for Late Night Colbert Show. Mm -hmm. And I was curious if that ever brought you into contact with anybody in like the world of Simpsons. That one did not. But when I was working at The Onion, we did an event that brought us in contact with Rob Lezebnik, who's one of the current writers there. So I know I know Rob decently well. We also did an event with George Meyer. George Meyer, that I was sad, sadly absent for, but every other Onion writer except myself got to go to some cool party at his house, and I was out of town, so I missed the damn thing. Oh, but yeah, was, so occasionally, occasionally we'd cross paths, but would have loved to have met George Meyer or even Schwarzwelder. Oh, my God. 
Both have evaded us so far. So far. Oh, they have? They're not ignoring your emails? Bastards. <laughs> I think I live in the same town as George Meyer, so I'm planning on stalking oh. him. Uh, yes. No. <laughs> stalking George and Well, John. you know what the caricature of him... <laughs> you know what the caricature of him from 1992 looks like, yeah, Henry, so yeah. just find that man. Slightly yeah. grayer, <laughs> but with a bucket hat that's on. That's sure. 30 yeah. years older than that. Oh, yeah, the bucket hat. That's right, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but Django, what is your history with the show? Like, I assume stealing a life for Bob Reasley, but we're all white men of a certain age, so I would assume it's kind yeah. of kind of similar. Pretty universal. I mean, it harkens back to the day when days when there was nothing on television except two syndicated episodes of The Simpsons every single day. So, like most people of our demographic, yeah, I watched two episodes of The Simpsons every day for like seven straight years or something like that. So I'm pretty pretty well versed in it. It was always my favorite show. Like a lot of my sense of humor and like writing draws from it for sure. I can, I can always hear myself saying things that are phrased in a way that kind of like evokes the episodes of The Simpsons I watched growing up. It's kind of a fun thing to do if you guys ever pay attention to how you're talking. You will often find your language is somehow conforming or like falls into like these, it's kind of like kind of the rhythm of like a Simpsons joke. It's weird. Yes, even words like yes and no become Simpsons references mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> at this point in our lives. By, by I yes, would... I mean no. That type of thing. Yeah, well, also that's got to be, you know, when you enter the world of professional comedy, like in a writer's room uh, at the Onion or or Colbert, how do you not just, you probably have to stop yourself sometimes like, yeah, that's a funny, I, oh, wait, I, I'm just remembering an episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that would happen as often, but one thing I always would notice is that because we've all seen The Simpsons, we're all speaking like the shorthand of like quotes, you know? So you can just say these small little quotes that are small references to The Simpsons and no one even like comments on them because they're so well ingrained in your like your argot you don't even like really consider them even jokes anymore they're just kind of like how you talk like so many phrases and i wish i could think of one in specific because i never can but like so many phrases are just kind of part of our language now in a way we don't even notice it's really insane to think of something like that having such a widespread influence over not just you know us as like fans and viewers but like it really just seeps into who we are in so many ways well you know this episode i'm going to say at the start here about this one i think this might be my favorite script we've seen in a while like i think this is a uh-huh. well-written episode of simpsons by season 14 standard mm-hmm. yeah some preamble stuff this won a writer's guild award and uh-huh. the simpsons was nominated two other times in this category which seems kind of unfair because <laughs> the other two noms for the show were Mobile baby blues which i think is actually a better episode than this one but i, I do like this one henry and also uh let's see my mother the carjacker which is the return of uh, homer's yeah. mother yeah but also futurama episode the sting was nominated which i think should have won that that, that is episode, episode is awesome this one uh no, not to tear down an episode i was just building up is a great yes episode. yes <laughs> i mean both very quality and then also king of the hill uh reborn to be wild another good one and then some jimmy neutron crap who cares about that I'm not gonna <laughs> Boy, i'm shocked but that yes, jimmy uh, neutron was a wga show and could be nominated I'm I'm surprised. That, that. <laughs> yeah, actually, me too. Now that you mention it, but yeah, award-winning Matt Selman on the commentary talks about being there, but he only remembers uh, drunkenly slurring a joke about how Marge Simpson was the original whale rider because the little girl from Whale Rider was giving the award to him. <laughs> oh man, that's so, uh, that's so, so funny. they keep mocking him because it's like you're saying this sex joke in front of a 13-year-old girl about her movie. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> but, <laughs> Django, you've written for an award show. How would you say that's quality of award show banter that whale rider? I think that's pretty solid, but my only question is, I mean, I guess back in 2004, 2003, people would definitely remember Whale Rider. But you said those two words and like took a while to pierce my memory banks. Like, what the hell is Whale Rider? Now I'm I'm sort of vaguely thinking of what it is. And uh, literally it is a film about 
a person who rides a whale, if I recall correctly. How they how they pulled that off? <laughs> Perhaps the freedom. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> so it was big hit in New Zealand. That's all I know. But yeah, K- uh, uh, sure. Keisha Castle Hughes. Like she she still she was in uh, a couple seasons of Game of Thrones. Like she's not oh. she's not one of those like child actors you never hear of again. But definitely her career yeah. peaked as an Oscar nominated child actor. At that, like, I think she was 12 when she filmed it. I'd be curious how they pulled off the whale riding sequences because it's just definitely a lot of union rules that you say you can't have a 12 year old girl strapped to a crushing (laughs) whale (laughs) well who knows the rules in new zealand you know i don't know that's that's true that's true (laughs) yeah this episode henry though you're saying it's a good script and i feel like this is al jean who has taken over the show in season 13 again he was a classic showrunner i think it's him trying to get down to the roots after promising to do that for about a year because this one reminds me of saturdays of thunder in which that episode was about homer not understanding bart and what he's into and this is very similar he does not understand lisa and she's very offended by that so it's a similar story but they find new material and because it's season 14 they go on a caper where a man is trying to murder them but Uh, it's also uh it gets down to the emotions as well yeah yeah i always like the homer lisa ones i think the pairing always pays off for me al gene loves them too like he he's he said it on many commentaries and he says it on the the one for this episode too of like al gene is a father of two daughters he loves father-daughter stories like they Mm -hmm. they do uh touch him in a certain way which is is sweet and while we've talked about i also felt a certain level of satisfaction hearing ian maxstone graham who wrote the tennis episode that we dumped on for being like having no emotional core and being entirely random and kind of weak and he just says yeah you know what i wrote that tennis episode and then i saw the script for this episode and thought boy i should have had some emotion in act one mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> grounded it in some way yeah and also things should follow other things logically yes also that. <laughs> yeah yeah, I think I think Selman wrote a great episode. I also think like some of the funniest stuff in season 14. Well, we've seen a lot of stuff in season 14 that feels like a writer trying to replicate John Schwartzwalder, who's basically pulling back from the show at this point. He does still have a script this season, but uh, I think of anybody trying to re- replicate a Schwartzwalder style script. I think this one does it very good. Like there's some really random crazy stuff. I mean, also when I saw I forgot who wrote the episode when the episode started, I was like, oh, right. It's the one with the de- hard boiled detective. I would bet Schwartzwalder wrote this because this is basically his Frank yeah, yeah, Burley that, character that, from, sure, from sure. Detective Mode. Yeah, the, the but, detective, uh, li- t- detective lines are, are great in this one. I wish I kind of wish this episode had more of the detective. He's, he's re- really only there in passing like a couple couple of times. Doesn't he feel like he should be played by a celebrity, by the way? that uh... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like Hank Azaria doing a Robert Stack impression. And I don't know if he was still alive, but Al Jean talked about wanting to get Stack on the show. And Stack was in the Beavis and Butthead movie, so he seemed to have a sense of humor about himself. But yeah, it's like designed to look like Robert Mitchum, but... Uh, uh, it's a Robert Stack impression, and it feels like they could have slotted in any older actor, yeah. but maybe they ran out of time and just pulled Hank in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then also, I think this episode looks pretty good for the time because Mark Kirkland, he says he was very excited to do this one because he loves film noir, and this gave him a whole lot of film noir to play around with. So, yeah. But this seems to be one of the last season slash episodes where they're doing cell animation correct this is right after they made the transfer because this is still people are drawing pictures on paper and it's getting you know but then after that it's all a digital process but now we're in an era of like digital tool sets and you know it all starts with drawings on storyboards but now it's just like assets kind of being moved around but we're still in the in the era of physical drawings being scanned in so it it is like a uh a bridge between the two eras right now that looks great I, i mean 
I, I love the drawings personally. I'm, I'm always oh, very, yeah. they, I, a, a purist. From from the start of this episode, I think Krusty and Homer are also drawn like 20 pounds heavier than they normally are <laughs> when both are shirtless. Like they're they're bigger yeah. and funnier to me in this one. Uh, but but yeah. So the episode itself begins with a very of its time parody of Cribs in pads, mm-hmm. and they were thinking about Cribs a lot of this time because this is the second reference to Cribs in this broadcast season. Yeah, Helter Shelter. Marge referenced the Moby episode. Uh, not, I, I guess the first one, right, or maybe the second one. No, it was. It had to be the first because that's where he talks about his Matt Groening drawing that he has. Displayed. All right. So it's kind of like a tip of the hat back to their good pal Moby. But now this is a more direct reference to it. I I recall Cribs when I pulled up some old Cribs episodes uh, to just to watch clips on him on YouTube. I was reminded like it's so different from how I feel like so much celeb content now is like they're just like us or look how down to earth mm-hmm. they are. They eat hot wings just like we eat hot wings. But, yeah. but meanwhile, these ones were like, look at this mansion and this competitiveness with whose mansion looks the coolest on Cribs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a different era. It's, it's kind of still throwing back to Lives of the Rich and Famous, whatever that show was, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at 50 Cent's dazzling nine car garage, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, they'd always show off their car. Like, I swear I saw ones where they're, they would literally call back to other ones. Like, one guy would say, mm-hmm. well, you saw that guy had the this year of the Lamborghini. Well, I have this one, and there's only seven mm-hmm. of them, and I have the best. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. guys would say, we bought Cristal because we saw Nelly had Cristal in his one, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it was... But that, yeah, then we had the pandemic and all the celebs are recording from their home and they're deciding I should probably record in the least furnished corner of my guest house <laughs> just to seem down to earth. Yeah. Where's a blank wall? Take every I'll take all the awards off that wall. Just going to have a blank wall behind me. <laughs> I don't really appreciate this new era where like I'm supposed to pretend like Taylor Swift and I have a similar lifestyle. I don't I don't find that as fun. I would prefer being <laughs> reminded that I'm a peon at all times. You know, superstars should act like superstars sometimes. Or at least like, you know, remind like don't waste time acting like you're not worth a billion dollars and, and mm-hmm. aren't a normal person. That's yeah. We need to start tracking their private jets again. <laughs> I need to know this information. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where is Nelly as we speak? <laughs> but yes, this is when uh, we get a tour of Krusty's uh, pad, which, yeah, I like. I also like that they write Krusty as like a 70-year-old man being asked to be on Cribs who's like, I don't know this. The girl is supposed to yeah. call. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's just pissed off. And then and we see the photo of him with Bette Midler from the Krusty Gets Canceled episode in season four. Though yeah, that him with Nixon that. thing, it's them just pulling from the same Elvis with Nixon photo they already did a thing with with Burns and the Germans. Though that was mm-hmm. 11 years ago at the time this episode aired so i get yeah. it and not, i mean not to be a stickler but they do try to remember what is on crusty's chest but they missed the kettle skull birthmark oh, so really? we have superfluous wow. nipple and pacemaker scars so uh, they at least uh, went that far and they don't always do that oh yeah did you see it no i'm just saying like naughty naughty they they, they, ah. they get caught, caught one, by the nerd, but they... nerd, nerd police <laughs> <laughs> also uh when they mentioned don adams and shelly winter basically having sex they were still alive when this episode aired which i was like well oh, i figured God. they'd only make that joke about dead celebs no i i do we're not going to pour over every joke but i i do like crusty's lack of a punchline where he's like it should be in a museum but museums don't want it yeah. Yeah. you think there's going to be like the museum uh, of disgusting objects yeah, you think there's going to be another like a, a good punchline but he just is like but they don't want it the, and then they move on to the next scene anti-punchline and we get to see his pool full of shrimp shells because he doesn't swim but yeah then we get uh elliot gould's appearance here which yeah. al Jean says they got him because he sent them a nice 
lettering season two because in the prom flashback a character says i wouldn't go out with you if you were elliot gould Barney. <laughs> yeah, so now he's finally they, they're finally calling in their favor Hell yeah, man. and we are all familiar now with the classic tv guide cover in which elliot gould is there with grover and it looks like they just had sex <laughs> yeah the post yeah, right. coital puppet it's adorable sex shoot elliot gould's fun you still see him around and stuff i just saw him in the like they did a new five timers club sketch on snl this year for because mulaney hit five times and so gould was there and you know he's live tv might not be the best for elliot gould but it was nice to see him (laughs) he was having a really bad early aughts because he was in the sitcom baby bob which was starring the talking baby mascot for a free internet company i think that was the uh the character yeah time. so it was in line with the, the the future geico cavemen show or whatever <laughs> where it's like people seem to like the baby what if elliot gould talked to it and i think we watched clips of that henry and it's mostly just uh reaction shots of the baby or like people talking to a baby who doesn't understand what's happening right oh, right yeah that's Boy, that's really sad. I forgot that about Elliot Gould. That's sad. I just want to remember the good times. He, I mean, not long after. No, wait. It was before this. He's in the first Oceans movies, right? That's yeah. That's pre 9/11. Is the first Oceans, isn't it? Pretty close. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page for Baby Bob season two, episode one. Title of the episode is Rush Limb Bob. Oh no! Does he become a shock jock? A Who knows? I have a suspicion this show is near impossible to find online. <laughs> <laughs> you think that but then i bet some psychopath has 4k uploads on youtube Ugh. that have 26 views each probably yeah yeah yeah. by the real baby bob <laughs> it feels like a parody of reality tv editing that they show the same shot of mr teeny remorseful twice like how re- yeah, i think yeah, it's yeah, in t- yeah. it's not them being lazy it's them saying like yeah this is how they edit stuff on reality shows yeah if you show it twice it's half as much footage you had to shoot in the first place he references bob carol ted and alice a big hit in 1969 when i heard about it it, I was like, oh, it's a it's a movie about partner swapping, but it's like this. I think this is why it was a hit. It teases it, but at, by the end, the they realize they don't want a partner swap and they don't even do it. So you don't even have you know you have a wife swap scenario in this wife swap movie. Yeah, yeah. There's more multiple people in bed in Willy Wonka compared to <laughs> that movie. Because I remember the poster for that movie is all of it, the characters in bed together, yeah, right? Yeah. Typical kangaroo Jack deception. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's just like Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> there was no rap sequence in it either. <laughs> but it was a big hit in 69. Now it feels like it's a movie that isn't remembered by anybody. It's like not yeah. in retrospectives or anything. But yeah, it's uh, apparently that's what he calls uh, his two hands and his two feet when beating up somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but so then all of that TV show, this also lets you know it's an Al Jean one because somebody watches a TV show and then a new TV show tells them what the plot of the episode <laughs> is to start it. Sure. But this, you know what? They've done some commercial parodies uh, this season. This is one of my favorites they've done this whole season. Uh, Here, I'll play it in our first clip here. Dear Diary. I have a crush on Kenny. That's me. You would like me, loser. Girls, don't let this happen to you. Get the Turbo Diary from Girl Tech. No one can read your secrets except you. Unauthorized user. Access denied. Turbo Diary, I love that I bought you. Get your Turbo Diary from <laughs> Girl Tech. Girl Tech is a division of Boy Tech. Hey, I could really <laughs> use one of those. No arguments here. Man, I really come off like a jerk in this thing. Turbo Diary, I love that I bought you. Like, 
Yes. What yeah. a great line. That is That's such a, a good fu- line. Fu- funny, funny riff on it. So you didn't realize it was a trope until they said it. <laughs> I think uh, one of the writers had a little girl who had one of these, and the the diary was voice activated. That's how it unlocked, and the password was girl's rule. But it never, uh, it rarely actually understood what you were saying. So yeah. he would hear his daughter in the other room going, girl's rule, ah, girl's rule, ah, <laughs> just like trying to open her diary, but it wouldn't open. Yeah. So uh, Matt Selman is upset he did not use that in the uh, actual episode. Uh-huh. It's. Uh, I also like being teased. Like you would like me, loser. Like that's mm-hmm. such a good thing too. Very similar Nelson voicing on that too. It is. Uh, yeah, it's a tween Nelson. Or well, actually, I guess mm-hmm. Nelson is a tween. It's a teen Nelson then. Yeah. Teen. <laughs> also, the great design of the boy tech logo smashing over the girl tech logo. <laughs> I also like that. But yeah, uh, yeah I. So I. I looked into this too. I was like, okay, what? A, like you can buy these secret diary things now. Like also, there's eight million apps called like girls secret diary that are all just you know an app that is face locked and everything though i wonder like do tweens today even need a secret diary when they just post everything on social media yeah like, i don't see, do I don't see kids to take, taking the time to write down their thoughts and feelings all day when they can just yeah, put it on facebook which no, <laughs> no, no child uses anymore yeah <laughs> they're monetizing those uh, secret beliefs and thoughts yeah exactly yeah. why would you write something nobody sees uh, what's the use in that in today's social economy <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. UPN Detroit gives you Double Simpsons. Now you dream. Oh, It's no dream. It's a miracle. The Simpsons weeknights at 5 and 11. More Homer. Sounds like good watching. Twice the Marge. Oh, good Lord. Two times the crusty. Think of the rating. Run for your couch. Watch The Simpsons weeknights at 5 and late nights at 11. Go forth and spread the word. Only on UPN Detroit. Yes. Yeah. Break all fans of McNuggets and magazines, and a big thank you to our guest this week, Django Gold. Everybody should be checking out his new stand-up special, Bag of Tricks, on YouTube. It's really great, and it was so awesome to have Django on this his first time. We'd love to have Django back anytime, so thank you so much, and please follow him on social media too. And if you enjoyed this week's Talking Simpsons, you should also know that we only are able to do this thanks to the support of listeners like you who subscribe at Patreon.com slash talking simpsons at patreon.com slash talking simpsons for five bucks a month you get next week's episode a week ahead of time and without ads like this one and you also get so many exclusives every month a new episode of talking futurama and a new episode of talk king of the hill us covering those series just as in depth as we do an episode of the simpsons once a month and a huge back catalog of us covering all the previous episodes of Futurama and King of the Hill, plus every episode of Mission Hill, every episode of The Critic, and many of our favorite episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Please sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons to see what you've been missing. 
you want something even nicer than a laser pointer, then you need to sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons because you get all of the $5 things I just mentioned. But then that premium level gets you also a monthly episode of What a Cartoon Movie Podcast, our premium extra long podcast where we talk about an animated feature film super in depth, just like we do an episode of The Simpsons, which means talking for over four, five, or even six hours long about an animated movie. Last month, we covered Tim Burton's The Corpse Bride to start out the spooky Halloween season right. This month, we're going to be covering the 1986 anime classic Project Aiko. And next month, we're going to start up the holidays with Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes, we're getting into the live action cartoon zone again for one of our holiday favorites. And we're about to hit our fifth anniversary of doing What a Cartoon Movie Monthly. And you can see all five years of that if you're a $10 and up subscriber, including our longest podcast ever, six and a half hours about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, over 200 hours of What a Cartoon Movies. Everything from Akira to a Goofy movie is covered there in our expansive list. So please see it all for yourself one more time at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. But yes, Lisa instantly becomes a shell as she realizes she wants it. It uh, and it, she asks for it. And I like Homer's like likes that she's become a shell by the end of it. And then meanwhile, there's so many random lines. I like it, but it's just like Marge here just saying, not, not commented upon that she shared a diary with her uncle. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> there's just so many like Jake. What a weird line. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've been talking about this a lot lately, but here's another moment of it. This is another joke at Disney's expense I don't think you'd see on the show today. I don't know. Absolutely not. They would be in the store saying, what amazing deals. <laughs> yeah, the, so the sign out front on the mall says, now Disney store free. And this is about real life because starting in the year 2000, the Disney store, which had a good 90s, started to decline and they were closing stores and, you know, people mm-hmm. who want to kick disney when they're down a good reaction to have you, you shouldn't want to sure. do that they're making fun of how disney is failing and like they by 2021 there are no more disney stores uh so i don't, I don't remember they, remember uh, this it, they sold like mickey mouse like mugs and shit oh man you didn't have a disney store well we i it was an event to go to the disney store in my mall was it wow no that, that somehow it was wiped from my memory along with whale rider <laughs> All of the tastemakers were at the Warner Brothers store, though. They were uh, yeah. buying their embroidered Pinky in the Brain jean jackets. Oh, man. I wish, I wish I had a Warner Brothers store. The videos I saw, those Warner Brothers stores look so cool. Like, for instance, you go in an elevator and Superman is underneath the elevator, so it looks like he's pushing it up uh, as you go. That's cool. Like, that's cool. It's yeah. cool shit like that. But now, no. We didn't have that. We did, but the Disney store was fun. Basically, it was just like being at a Disneyland gift shop, except it's in your mall. Wow, mm-hmm. like that's and yeah. it was about ninety percent stuffed animals, from what I remember in my mall. A lot of stuffed animals, yeah. I remember some T-shirts, and I definitely remember getting a Darkwing Duck action figure there. I remember doing that. Hmm. R.I.P. The Disney store is no longer around. Not even internationally, apparently. They they had a big thing. I went to a Disney store in Tokyo one time because that's where you could buy the Disneyland Tokyo tickets. But uh, now you can't do that anymore. I'm going to have to find a new way to buy tickets when I visit Tokyo. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> what trip to Japan is complete without visiting the same amusement park you have back in the U.S.? <laughs> 
Uh, hey, they have flavored popcorn. Yeah, Ooh. oh, it's so much more. Sure, you can flavor it at home, yeah. but, you know, it's not, it's not the same. Where's the fun? Where's the fun in that? Uh, but So then after a quick bit of Homer eating a bunch of free samples, which we've seen the free samples thing before with him, though never before has he eaten pants and then insulted Indian food, which that feels, yeah, that feels that was very 2000. I feel like Homer would like Indian food. <laughs> And actually, I ordered it after I watched the episode because it made me want fucking samosas and stuff. It feels like someone had a real axe to grind with Indian food on the writing staff because it does feel like we're not supposed to laugh and say, ha ha, what a weird thing to think. Mm -hmm. It's more of like an aside to the camera. Yeah. Saying, am I right, folks? Right, we're supposed right, right. to be with Homer. Yeah, we're supposed to agree that Homer is right. Like, you know, it is pretty gross Indian food. Disgust. Yeah. No, I, no. Maybe it was just a bad thing to order when you're writing a sitcom, like just yeah. mounds and mounds of uh, Indian food. Well, there's also the episode early on where the Afghan food a restaurant called Two Guys from Kabul and it's also the same thing where <laughs> no one's ordering it and but they don't really make fun of it the quality of it which they just make fun of it being unpopular which I guess is a slight distinction to make Art and Lisa did love it once they got it but mm -hmm. Labna how how much Indian food is ordered in in writers' rooms these days? Go. Uh, God, come to think of it, it's not that easy because you the ideal writers' room lunch is like a wrap or something. It's self-contained and easy. It doesn't require everyone to gather in a room and spoon you know sog paneer onto a plate. Like it's, ideally, you want everything self-contained. So yeah, pizza and sandwiches and shit. That's there's a reason those are the most commonplace items. Well, I, I also do like how Homer basically pulls the zipper out of his mouth like it's a fishbone. Like, basically, he's Heathcliff with a yeah. fishbone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. You know what? I never, I never thought of that. <laughs> that goes crusty with his shrimp tails. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so Homer tries to buy the diary, but the last one gets bought by Burns. He's got an enemies list, just like Nixon. A, a, a continual reference in the show. I wish he had something a little funnier than Kingston Trio. I, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell this is up. So they worked hard on this episode, but they weren't staying up until 3 a.m. because the toy store is just called Toys. Oh, yeah. Bummer. There's some funny kiosk names when Homer's walking through yeah. it, but yeah. I guess they saved all that juice for the kiosk names. <laughs> yeah. Kiosk got the main rewrite pad. Uh, yeah, so Homer gets zapped. He can't get it from Burns. This is when we have a Tickle Me crusty joke, which this shows you how long the show's been on the air, man. Like, yeah. Well, first off, that they can make a joke that, hey, here's an old toy from 1999, which is when Simpsons was entering season 10 in 1999. Yeah. And they referenced it before on uh, in 1997, Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. So it also shows you how humor had changed in five years because in that original episode, uh, Milhouse gets one. He tickles the Krusty doll and eventually Krusty says hey get your finger out of there yeah, so yeah. <laughs> in 1997 the joke is don't touch my butthole but then in 2002 is the joke is let me show you my penis <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah, on you're your right, yeah. so Roger it just shows Chappelle you show style era. yeah we we are in the the like freddy gets fingered era of comedy oh, and yeah. uh you know they're stepping up their game a bit simpsons is not immune from larger trends no i mean they got to keep up we said it before they got to keep up with south park and family guy they got to get filthier that's yeah. that's their yeah. that's their competition now and we'll also like crusty is telling children to eat their mother's medicine as well like just take, <laughs> take but, uh, so but homer passes that up they pass by my favorite of the kiosks is cumbersome keychains because i I enjoy having a weighty keychain in my pocket. Mm. It doesn't. I if I have too few yeah. keys in my pocket, then I forget my keys. If you see Henry on the street, you may think he's a janitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes you feel like a man having a big wad of keys. <laughs> exactly. You know, my husband was just recently saying like, you could lose a couple of these keys. I'm like, no, I might lose one someday. <laughs> 
Yeah. Same with like, I might need my, I might need all the stuff that's in my wallet. It should be triple the size of your wallet. That's what I, (laughs) but yeah. So this is when uh, uh, Homer runs into Maul Flanders, a reference to the classic literature. (laughs) This is when, uh, just like with diaries, I think there are 8,000 apps like this too, that are just put you in a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These are just like Instagram filters now. Yeah. And you can see a lot of things that are similar to this on YouTube. Like you can see a lot of music video kiosks. Uh, People have uploaded those. I have not found any of these and I was doing some searching on YouTube, but I know this was a thing, these personalized videos, but it was more a thing you had to send away for it and not a thing you got made at a mall. I also remember these being around. I remember the plot of the movie Red Dragon is that he works the killer spoiler alert works at one of these places where like he's like assembling like one of these types of videos but i don't remember ever actually using or getting one of these maybe maybe i was just kind of out of the loop i got a storybook version of one of these as a little kid i do remember it was a send away from like a fruit roll-ups thing and basically it just says like say you're a boy or a girl and then say tell us your name and it's just like max went to the fruit roll-up planet and took the fruit roll-ups <laughs> home and it yeah. they did have space aliens i think in that book and in this version they pick space alien or they pick astronaut because that is a genderless suit so it works for boys mm. and girls you don't have to, to yeah, it, yeah. draw two versions of it well now i was just thinking of the birthday boy sketch about whoosh yes yeah with all the kid names in it it does feel special my mom also does i've gotten e-gift e-cards from my mom wishing me happy birthday from like william shatner sings happy birthday to you and then he doesn't say 800 names for it but basically the background singers did you know they say henry or other names and then it's just like william shatner says happy birthday and then the background singers say henry what a treat actually Django, did you growing up have bort style problems with getting personalized items with your name (laughs) i never once saw a Django one and then recently i was in croatia which is kind of close geographically where like the provenance of my name is and i was like going through like the tourist like gift shops there looking for Django, and i still didn't find one so i don't know what else i have to do to this point i'm not i'm I'm not going custom made (laughs) you did hear a mom saying come along Django." (laughs) Django. (laughs) no yeah Django. Django would be nice i I would accept Django. i I would change the spelling of my name for that (laughs) so yeah they we we get to see the gift that Flanders made for Todd, which is a li- or Rod. It's not Todd. See, I'm goofing up. It's like the writers on the show sometimes even. But yeah. it's Rod. And this is where we learn that Rod has diabetes, which is new information. <laughs> uh, yeah. he, he's so uninteresting that one of his hobbies is having a disease. <laughs> a condition. A condition. Yeah, yeah. I also like that Kirkland and his team did a good job with bad animation with like bad, a few lip flaps. Mm-hmm. And it's like one frame every 12, every two seconds or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely realistic to like these crappy like self-made things and with this one and the lisa one i do appreciate the good bad writing of shoehorning in these facts about the star (laughs) because they have nothing to do with the story at all (laughs) and it's great just how uh superficial they are and yeah selman says he got this idea on an airplane like seeing it in an ad back then he was not a parent at the time and he sees the ads back for one of these on one on on any flight so he's like oh i'm gonna save that and so there's one deleted scene in the uh the episode secret deleted scene in the dvd but basically after homer says he's gonna follow uh, he says stupid flanders you're a genius then he's gonna buy it and he's gonna buy it from the yes man you know
know, the guy who goes, yes. Oh, but yeah. the first guy he talks to is Hank Azaria doing the yes man. And then Dan Castellaneta shows up as, a, as an identical yes man to say, wait, I was going to help them. And <laughs> it's, it's a very weird scene that apparently there's two of the same guy in town. <laughs> Oh, that's weird. The version of the episode I watched did not have that scene. I wonder if I watched some kind of weird syndication cut. Oh, no, this is hidden on the DVD. You can only... It's it's a hidden scene on the DVD. My bad, I missed that part. Sorry about that. There are secret hidden yes-men in every DVD. (laughs) (laughs) So then, also taking us back to the turn of the century, we got laser pointer comedy. I, You know, laser pointers must still exist, but they have to have been really cracked down on it at live events and all that, because I remember seeing them everywhere in classrooms in, in my high school, which I was out of high school by 2003, but the laser pointers were bedeviling teachers who had to have a very strict policy on them. So uh, this was of the time. Yeah, it's one of those things that you can't really anticipate much longevity for a toy that's just a dot. You know, I don't really see that lasting more than a few years before kids move on to something more exciting than a dot. And we've learned that they give animals schizophrenia, so you shouldn't use them. Oh, really? Jesus Christ. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> well, I wasn't... I'm exaggerating, of course, but I think it, it does make them go insane. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess there's a hidden dark side to shining a light in an animal's eyes all the time. <laughs> the most extreme pranks I've heard with laser pointers is that apparently some people have used them to blind pilots the, to cause like like you yeah, go yeah, to where yeah. planes are landing and you then get at the angle to hit the pilot in the eye and could cause a crash like that is like a capital crime like people have gone to jail for real time for doing that sure well you're just giving our listeners ideas now henry (laughs) no okay only make it so to force your principal to undress only do it for that reason yeah (laughs) honestly i was shocked to see skinner fully get bottomless i was like wow he actually just takes off his underwear on his front lawn i feel like we should have seen his butt i i feel denied this comedy butt during this scene yeah that's that's not very early, early 2000s at all i feel like skinner said some other line than or wiggum said something other than crotch dot he seems more disgusted at seeing skinner's penis perhaps something filthier mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah so and also unlike it here we talk about how some simpsons episodes around this time have a first act that does not pay off in all these ways even this laser pointer actually pays off in the plot like it saves yeah. the day but this is when marge and homer give her a co-gift which really marge should know better than to let homer give a co gift like she needs to see this gift before before it is given i mean even in 2003 giving a kid a vhs it's like this has to be the last year you can give a child a vhs and they'd know what it is uh-huh. <laughs> but this is when lisa gets her present i wonder what this could be i think you'll be pleasantly surprised could it be some kind of book well yes and no <laughs> mostly no what <laughs> You were supposed to get her that stupid diary. But it's a personalized video about my favorite little star, Lisa Simpson. Well, this could be fun. Let's watch it. Howdy, partners. My name is Sheriff Lisa Simpson. I sure am hungry for my favorite food. McNuggets. I don't like (laughs) McNuggets. I'm a vegetarian. Do? And you're not going to like your other present. 
Oh, man, that's uh, <laughs> it's such a great script idea that Homer has to give a gift that shows how thoughtless he is. But also that he out of all the scenarios he could choose, he picks the very un-PC <laughs> cowboys and Indians in quotes uh, story yeah. Yeah. Lisa in, where she's uh, going to be shooting Native American people <laughs> as a cowboy. <laughs> Girl cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's eventually given the quote, I'll get those no good Indians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Homer remembering the McNuggets or also, I mean, him thinking that her best friend is Maggie. He doesn't know any of her friends. And and Mag I mean magazines. That's a great magazines. <laughs> like his excitement at saying it is just so yeah. funny. So yes, Lisa leaves in tears. And another great line. Children don't remember bad birthdays, do they? Like <laughs> <laughs> What a good line. This again, this is a really well written episode for by season fourteen standards. It's a banger. Lisa already had a bad birthday because uh, Michael Jackson was there. <laughs> yeah. Well that birthday doesn't count anymore though. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. The race from history. It's actually at first I was thinking in this episode, why does Bart care about giving Lisa a good gift? And I remember, no, he learned his lesson from when Michael Jackson helped him give a gift when he forgot to get her something. That's, That's right. right. Continuity. <laughs> and I'm sure the writers were thinking of that continuity, and I'm not just putting it mm -hmm. on to the show. I'm sure they were thinking of that exact thing. Yeah, two thousand three, a great year to remember Michael Jackson. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was still in everyone's good graces back then, right? Uh, <laughs> I think the new lawsuit was coming. I think in 2003. Yeah. So then we get some more insane stuff that's great of Homer. Like Bart still hates Homer for chopping up a skateboard, which he did for insurance money, which again, I'm like, that's insane. That whole line, that whole <laughs> set of lines is insane. But I think Lisa, I, I love these questions that Homer's asking her or, or like answering for her. But I feel like Lisa would have a favorite traveling Wilbur. I think she would too. <laughs> I agree. I love that line. <laughs> and also he thinks it's Jeff Lynn. Like what a crappy <laughs> answer to that. It's made up prompt. Perfect. He picked the traveling Wilbury no one remembers. Like, yeah. You yes. Which, uh, in case you don't know, Jeff Lynn is a co-founder of ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. So, quite an accomplished musician in his own right, but not as remembered as, say, George Harrison or Bob Dylan. Yeah. Though I didn't know that in the Wilbury world they had, like, character, like, there's an extra level of character to it. They all have fake names in it, like, as oh, I know Jeff Lynn is Otis Wilbury. I did not know uh, this. Oh, I see. There was simply what... too much cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too much cocaine. It was done in the 80s. It seems like an idea you get when you're pacing around a room, yes. right? <laughs> no, and also the sad fact that, like, they had to release one after Roy, or they didn't have to. They chose to release one after Roy Orbison died. Like, so all the fun and games are taken out of the uh, Traveling Wilburys when Roy Orbison died unexpectedly. I think he is my favorite, under underrated Wilbury. Uh. He's, I mean, look, Roy is great. If you've asked me to pick one, I, I always love George Harrison. I'm going with George on this one. Yeah, where'd you get that brownie? <laughs> no, <laughs> The, the you know also with uh, with this yeah only two Simpsons guest stars in the Traveling Wilburys it's not too late to you know what I don't think they've gotten Bob Dylan yet I think, I don't uh, think so either. and they well they better hurry yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 but yes this was the era of cigar aficionado like this when my dad started smoking cigars as well yeah. this was a big time for cigars in america <laughs> the sopranos really rocketed them to the top yeah you know see i rewatched all sopranos it didn't make me want to smoke cigars but i did start drinking whiskey more straight up whiskey, oh, just, just as tony soprano did tony soprano's a cool guy and worth imitating he's a cool guy. now henry that straight up whiskey was it honey maple jim beam <laughs> sometimes just like tony soprano would order at the bottom big that's, that's <laughs> flavored right, yeah. whiskey yeah, yeah he's always <laughs> drink, drinking cold, like party drinks <laughs> <laughs> 
blueberry schnapps. Mm-hmm. But yes, according to Cigar Aficionado, a Robusto is a short, fat cigar that has become the most popular cigar size in America. So, mm, so then we head to Moe's for... I have a quick clip here, but like this is... This is an insane seat of Mo's. Like every line of this, I was like, wow, this is crazy. We learn crazy facts about Carl and Mo in the same scene. Hey, Homer, you sure look sad. Yeah, at least you ain't aging six years for everyone because of your cow heart. <laughs> oh, my daughter hates me because I don't know anything about her. Ah, well, whenever I got to know something about abroad, I use this guy. This detective is unbelievable. He can learn more about a chick by digging through one garbage can than you could from years of intimacy. He found out who was cobbling shoes for me at night. Turns out I have severe schizophrenia. (laughs) Well, if hiring this guy will make Lisa like me again, then I'll do it. Can I get this beer to go? Sure. Maybe someday I'll turn into a swan. Oh, God. Just sobbing. Yeah. I didn't know Mo had a Kyle Hart. I didn't know Carl had severe schizophrenia. He's all new information. Yeah, I, I love that the Swan, like the, the foil takeout Swan too. I, I feel like that's a very Los Angeles thing to do. I wondered when that started. Like, I feel like I saw it on TV before I went to a, any place that did it, and it still felt like a rare thing. Like, I I remember having reactions like, "Boy, I must be at a fancy restaurant. They put mm-hmm. it in a Swan." Yeah, but then, you, then I've, you, I've actually st- never seen it. I haven't seen it in the real world. No, no. In fact, uh, I feel like in the last maybe 10, 15 years, they, they put the uh, the duty of putting the leftovers in a container on you. I hate they that. They just drop a box off. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's getting more laborious. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they put all the customer service on us. That's why I don't tip. That No, I kid. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I learned I learned an interesting thing about how you measure cow years to human years. That So apparently the first year of a, is crazy math. The first year of a cow equals 14 years but then every year after that you count it as four human years so you know i hear the same about dogs it's not one uh well sorry seven dog years for every one human year they start aging faster at first and then they start aging slower as they get older okay i wonder how they calculate this so i guess then the seven years thing is more just averaging it out then i guess i i think so but it's like a dog hits our age 40 within the first five to seven years or whatever and then it's like incremental after that i don't know if anybody actually has a cow heart if there's been a successful i didn't look into that one (laughs) but so homer heads over to dexter colt who again does feel like he should be a celebrity but i think i mean hank is area is always great he's he's and he's great as this guy uh and and yeah kirkland wanted to draw him like robert mitchum and this is full i mean one of my favorite things bob ever wrote that was funny is his parody of a hard-boiled detective Yes, I love this stuff so much. It's just the, the, the language never got as interesting as it did when these guys were talking. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny the way they talk. And it's, it's, insta- it's all like so peaked and like such a funny way of talking that you can find so many comedic options in it. And just like, especially like starting with the sign, it's like, please, no setups. And he's like, all right, don't yeah, frame me for a murder yeah, yeah. in this. I, yeah, it's the pro- <laughs> And it's nice that Homer uh, knows he's a character and he's enjoying the very stylized dialogue. That is great. Yeah, like that's right. Homer is luxuriating and like, well, I'm in a real character today. <laughs> and uh, also it's a, I mean, that drunk cop fired from Forest newspaper headline like that is a real Schwarzwelder style joke there <laughs> yeah yeah the, the classic no not that that is like really something <laughs> the Simpsons like may have innovated in. yeah I feel like I'm 
I at least in televised comedy, I feel like you did not see that all that much in in TV no. comedy. But uh, so this is uh, when he hires him, and Homer agrees. You know what? He agrees to fifty dollars a day plus expenses. You know, I think Homer is wrong here. Like he's yes. the bad guy in this. <laughs> I know uh, Colt takes it an extra level. Homer should just pay this guy. This is this is about how you pay freelancers. It's why we pay our editors on time there instead of uh, instead of making them hunt us down and or frame us <laughs> for for crime. So chunky lover fifty three at AOL dot com. Uh, Matt Selman actually registered that address and was responding to people as Homer for years wow. until he lost the address. But he explained that a lot of people, a lot of comedy writers, still have AOL addresses because they got on the internet. Pre- Pretty early and they can't lose that address so I don't want to uh, uh, dox anyone but some of the writers we've contacted have been at AOL.com it has uh, been funny to see to see writers in their 50s and 60s still with AOL ones at first yeah, yeah. at first I did think it was just like well they're just older guys they don't know to get Gmail or whatever but no now it, it is I, I bet it is more of like no I've given out this email for 30 years of my professional career I can't let somebody else take it yeah, you're pot committed at that point does Stephen Colbert have an AOL uh, e- email address? Is he- yeah, let me, let, <laughs> we can bleep this out. Let, let, me, let me read it off right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like the observational thing of Homer hovering over the guy and making sure he gets the uh, the case uh, of the email address correctly because my email address is more complicated than I'd like it to be. And I have to like say it and then spell it and then make sure they get everything because some letters sound like other ones over the phone. Yep, yep. Uh, it just was, I thought it was very observational in this crazy scene. And when you made it, you weren't thinking about the consequences and now you have to live with it every single day. Well, you know, I still have a Hotmail that I don't really use, but it's my... I have a Gmail I use for real, but Hotmail for me is just like, ah, I don't want to give it away. I, I have literally have it since like 1998, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel a certain attachment to it. But also Chunky Lover 53 then would make the news in 2008 because a, uh, so Chunky Lover 53 at AOL.com, that's email. But in AOL Instant Messenger or AIM, as I like to call it, in that it was part of a big computer virus scandal in 2008 because some Somebody created an AIM name of Chunky Lover 53 to pretend to be representing the Simpsons and say, download this executable file and you will get a oh, secret Jesus. episode that we're only giving oh, to people on AOL. No. And so it caused a huge Trojan virus to spread around online. The secret episode is just a blue screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How off on guard. Laptop not yeah, turning on. <laughs> so Matt Selman even had to, he did a whole article for Time Magazine back in 2008 saying like, I'm sorry, this isn't my fault. I'm made up chunky lover 53 for fun yeah. <laughs> i didn't make this rocks. so yes we see dexter colt go to work talk also about crazy things so okay so groundskeeper willie's a serial killer now this is a new <laughs> <laughs> sure sure yeah. mo has yeah. a cow's heart uh carl schizophrenic willie serial killer Se- season 14 you can start injecting whatever qualities you want in your characters <laughs> the the yes man has a doppelganger apparently <laughs> And then, and then Willie has killed more. He's a strangler, and he then ran yeah. from Scotland to America. And uh, I'm assuming he's still strangling people. So that's yeah, uh, yeah. pretty big, pretty big change. Pretty big character development, yeah. So uh, then, meanwhile, he bullies Skinner by shuffling his papers and then stapling them together, which that's a cute addition to it. And then I swear, Skinner's no. I think they took his no from Bart's comet when he's he's seeing that uh, Prez says school is for losers as. Oh, it's a lot to ask Harry Shearer to do that again. Yeah, I think. But no, Bob, you're right. He is like he's he's nearing 60 at the time of this episode, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's just sort of like how they recycle the 
same Barney burp. They're not making Dan Castellaneta do that again. Sure, I can sure. see them recycling that no. It's a great no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. is great. Prince says school for losers. It's very funny. <laughs> uh, and so then this is, uh, he then interviews Nelson and Ralph as well. Nelson, I like, I mean, look, hey, when I do it, it's cute to take pictures of Disneyland mascots. I do it in ironic mm-hmm. ways that are fun. <laughs> I, but... I'm deeply afraid of them. I don't like to get near them. I think the one time I did, Henry, is when we were at Universal together. But when I was next to a giant Homer, the lizard part of my brain was telling me to escape. <laughs> oh, wow. We did do that when we went to Springfield. Yeah, and I and I got one with Krusty the next time I went. And then the other one I can think of, this was on a level of irony because my husband and I went to Disney. We, we do like going to Disneyland together uh, sometimes. And so we went to it on like a special Halloween night where here's what big nerds we are. They For that special night, Donald and Goofy were going to come out dressed as their Kingdom Hearts version of their characters and we're like well we gotta get a picture with kingdom hearts goofy and then everyone in the room was sterilized right There was, there were, please tell me there were other heart. There were harder core dudes in that line who were just, I believe it. There was a guy in front of us. Who's just like, go ahead of me. I'm waiting for when Mickey comes out. I've gotten a oh picture with God. Donald and goofy. I want the kingdom hearts. Mickey That's an old hat. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and Hey, but just like Nelson, yes. Uh, some of us prefer illusion to despair. You know, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> we have a classic Ralph is stupid joke. Uh, I mean, I do like the very detective, re- hard boiled detective response. Like somebody's already gotten to this guy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Homer then gets his message. Uh, it's dropped off in a manila envelope on uh, on his windshield, very uh, stealthily, just like uh, detectives love to do. Another great line: when Homer sees Lisa's name on the front of it, he's just like, "So far, so good." Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, also from the same thing, we learn that her favorite parent is the mother. Like, which <laughs> that's that's a, that's a that's very a funny thing for Homer joke. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Homer assumes she loves phonies. Yes, yes. So, I mean, that's so great too that Lisa, like, clearly is a is a recent reader of Catcher in the Rye and and hates phonies. Mm-hmm. But yes, this is when Homer, through deception, starts to connect with Lisa. Is that Miles Davis's Birth of the Cool? You should know. It is your favorite album. So you know one thing about me. Big deal. Wait, wait. I thought you might like to go to an animal rights protest today. Well, maybe. On the way home, we could stop and get your favorite treat. Ice cream. What do we want? The gradual phase out of animal testing over the next three years. When do we want it? Over the next three years. That's good incrementalism there. They know they got a yeah, ra- they got a uh, believable time frame. It's weird to see in this era animal rights people not being demonized. Mm-hmm. They seem pretty reasonable. This is nicer than they portrayed this same group of people just a few years earlier when Lisa has a crush on that one boy in it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, to the the Joshua Jackson kid, who I guess is still in prison at this point in the show. Uh, <laughs> but though also i feel like you know at least you're a bit of a poser if your favorite album is a jazz album i've heard of then clearly you're not <laughs> hardcore enough yeah she's one of the phony she claims to hate <laughs> i pulled up birth of the cool and yes that is a real that's actually a clip from it or the band for the simpsons replicating it well one of no, those I, two I, things they, they probably spent the money at this point the simpsons probably is pretty open checkbook they can use on things like that 
Yes, I think Django's correct because later in this episode, they license a song to play for about three seconds. They played for such a short amount of time, I was having problems figuring out what it was. Yes, yes. That's so, like, uh, Django, we've asked this of other professional comedy writers, too. Aren't you a little jealous of how the Simpsons seem to have, like, an endless pile of money to license songs? Absolutely. They can call in any personal favor they want. So if, you know, if, if the record label is being a little intransigent on it, they can always just call, you know, Roger Waters direct and see what he has to say. That's <laughs> true. You probably had, like, a hilarious scene written to dark side of the moon but couldn't do it <laughs> that's right yeah the, the whole damn album and those fucking penny pinchers over at cbs wouldn't let us do it <laughs> homer and lisa connect though i do i have a little tiny question about the reality of it of like well lisa says look at this then it cuts to like the inside of rooms i'm like well wait how are they seeing this they're outside and i mean look it's i i'm, I'm just yeah it's, yeah it's laid out weird. maybe lisa saw like, she got a pamphlet on the way in perhaps sure okay though it's always funny to watch monkey smoking even though yes this mm -hmm. i mean yeah it's animal cruelty it's not funny it's funny to see it in cartoons not not to actually do it it's like a simpsons trope you're always seeing you know he's taking a puff he's taking another puff yeah <laughs> better slow down there smoky <laughs> <laughs> it really stopped with the uh, millennials, but uh, boomers were obsessed with monkey smoking cigars, cigarettes. That's why there's so much of it in The Simpsons up to this point. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, later, the next generation of comedians more preferred the monkeys throwing poop or masturbating. It was uh, mm. like it, it got more uh, more scatological with, with yeah. monkey comedy. Back then, in the olden days, they, the monkeys smoked and wore diapers. So you didn't have to think about any of that other stuff. Just watch them smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and then also lisa is right to be disturbed by homer saying that they're so sad but so sexy but so yet so delicious <laughs> that, uh, that is disturbing as homer tucks her into bed i then feel like we got another then uh current reference about the era to the la's museum of tolerance hmm. oh really okay when lisa says the museum of oppression and well, i got i'll play the clip in a sec but i felt it was a reference to the relatively new at the time la's museum of tolerance which is you know uh which was more directly made fun of in a south park episode around the exact same time as this in november of 2002 which obviously you know wow we should mock this like being tolerant is stupid you should it's, it's a <laughs> dumb thing and we should make fun of it uh, but, uh, but but yeah idea of tolerance is about you know combating racism through history and all that it has it has good aim i don't see it as a fun afternoon with your daughter though like that's it's no, nobody's doing it for fun i don't think uh but yes this is when homer almost gets caught in another very funny turn of phrase. Dad, today was so great. The animal rights protest, a visit to the Museum of Sadness and Oppression. Well, we should get along. I mean, after all, I am your father. How'd you think of such perfect things for us to do? Did Mom help you? Mom, don't you think I could read the report by myself? What report? The, uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, report is a daddy word that means loves his daughter. You read The Loves His Daughter by yourself. That's right, honey. <laughs> That's a great... I love that. Good, that she inserts yeah. the word loves his daughter to where he said the word report. Like, that's such yeah. a good line. Not so and he has no way out. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so great like yeah so yeah homer exits the scene and this is when uh he he meets up with colt first he thanks him for all the help and it also is a very 2003 line to say i'm gonna go blank on all their asses like it, yeah. it really puts homer in the in the time <laughs> 
we everybody said that all the time about everything i uh, does it, it date back <laughs> did people did it become a mainstream thing after pulp fiction of going medieval on your ass yeah i guess that's probably what, what absolutely what it off, yeah dumber won't pay his itemized receipt the list of things on it is funny because it's you know homer is mad about super unleaded gas uh, but but also <laughs> I mean, this does also feel like working at a job and trying to expense anything. I've had itemized receipt moments. It's great. I like the little joke about how, uh, is it Dexter Colt? Yeah, he entered a steak eating contest where he ordered one of those giant steaks <laughs> yeah. that you get it for free if you can eat the whole uh, thing. That's a great line. <laughs> Very funny He's, expense. You kind of have to like think about the joke uh, for it to make sense. It's, it's like, it's pretty sly. I yeah. like it. And then I also love his line of like, I can't believe a man who agreed to follow my daughter around for money <laughs> turned out to be a dirtbag. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is when Homer gets a gun in his face. He's able to escape shirtlessly, and this is again where Homer is drawn fatter than usual in a very funny way. And I and I love how he's lit. I mean, it's a really cool shot of him like being viewed down on and spotlit. Like it feels extremely uh, film noir kind of staging. Mm -hmm. Kirkland and his team did a great job there. And this is when we get uh, a, a fleeting brief few seconds of the Winston's color him father. Just for this little shot with the uh, with the shirts where Lisa's wearing the. Uh, what is it homer's daughter shirt mm -hmm. and then homer's wearing the uh lisa's father shirt and bart is wearing a shirt that just says bart on it <laughs> uh -huh. that okay the, i this was the one where i was like al Jean this season must have had a brewster's million style situation where it's like yeah. you have to spend x amount of money on music this season or else we'll decrease your budget next year so i because like yeah like you said it is two seconds it's nothing like but this, this show this show, this show is, is such a workhorse for fox like they, they must just have like whatever resources they want you know well also too i think you know fox does own some songs i don't think they own this song i mean the song's a nice little song it's a good i i pulled it i hadn't heard it in a million years uh, mm -hmm. i didn't i've never heard it outside of this episode i don't know why it was on oldie station some when i was i was a youth but i'd i never really listened to the lyrics before it is and hey as as somebody who likes his stepdad i like that it's a tribute to stepdads or the dads oh. who stepped up really yeah yeah that's nice <laughs> That's what the uh, color him father means. The term color is used in the like designate to this person. Right, father. right. Like, designate him yeah. father is not as catchy. <laughs> Yes, I actually I was looking up the lyrics because I, I didn't understand anything. It's just so fleeting. I'm like, what are they saying? And it's it's a big song about he works so hard, and I, I just tune out immediately. <laughs> well, when it was a pro dad song, we're anti dad on this show. But when it was pro, yeah. when I learned it was pro stepdad, I was like, okay, that's good. Pro stepdad, anti dad, mm -hmm. pro stepdad. There's also a line in there, a lyric in there about going to school and learning the golden rule. And I feel like that is a rhyme I've heard in 40 songs. At this point. <laughs> it's, very, it's like school rhymes yeah, with rule. Yeah. We got it. Uh, class, we don't really teach that in school. trope. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like rhyming uh, zero with hero. Uh, uh, Weezer did it 43 times and we're all sick of it. <laughs> but hey, Weezer was smart enough to rhyme dumb with lesbian. I don't know if I ever heard that before. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a unique way to pronounce lesbian. Yeah. Le lesbian. Lesbian. Uh -huh. <laughs> this is when their happiness is upset because Lisa has been framed. Uh, we also, again, another fact we learned that uh, the policeman Lou has an ex-wife named Amy, apparently. Uh, and uh, we also learned that there's a, that there's a secret garden in all of us, which is an important lesson to learn. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh so yeah we then also homer has a very phil silvers line reading of his like my what if a debtor castle is going hard on the phil silvers there <laughs> Uh, as opposed to the Phil Silvers who drowned in the episode of uh, the Mad, 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 Mad World parody. Oh, yes. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You lousy kid. I'm going to get you. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, so this is when they're about to arrest Lisa as she is the lead suspect. Chief, do you have any suspects at this time? Well, we do have several promising clues. Uh, let's see. There's a Malibu Stacy scrunchie a saxophone read, and a book report on the Secret Garden by Lisa Simpson. Well, what does this tell you, Chief? Well, apparently there's a secret garden in all of us. And that Lisa Simpson is guilty. <gasps> I was framed. You believe me, don't you, Dad? Of course I do. It's all my fault for refusing to pay. Pay attention to you, my sweet little father-loving pile of forgiveness. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, this is when they're actually using Ralph to try to arrest Lisa, yeah, which uh, that's believable to me that cops would k tackle an eight-year-old girl. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's realistic. I had a big gut laugh at the act break, though. It's, it's, it's not like a clever line, but just the way it slams shut on Wiggum feeling bad about himself <laughs> with uh, Hank Azaria's great read. Uh, I thought it was very funny. The way Ralph, yeah, that Ralph for once is smarter than his dad. Like, it's like, oh, you're dumber than Ralph in the show now. Like, even mm -hmm. I do that yeah yeah I, i'm not good <laughs> it's basically him summing up his character just like oh yeah he's a cop that's actually not very good yeah i wonder if his area improv that I, they don't mention it on the commentary but just his his delivery of like yeah i am i'm not good <laughs> uh, also great animation on them smashing through the garage too as they escape which uh mm. though also i think clancy is actually right to ask that because you know what not everybody who runs from the police is guilty they actually maybe don't want it they're innocent and don't want to be shot by the police perhaps. yeah maybe, that maybe, might maybe a, a very important point yes. it's not just, not just all zaniness and laughs, <laughs> Again, another Swartzwaldery style joke that revealed that Bridge Out actually stood for Bridge Outstanding from Overpass Magazine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Then we uh, then we cut to Marge. All Marge can do in this episode is clean, uh, and she's happy to do it. She loves that Bart made a mess <laughs> that she can clean up. It's a nice little tag on the end of the scene where Maggie pushes her food bowl yeah, off of her high yeah, chair. Yeah, yeah. Then we hear their description that Lisa is wearing a lampshade. <laughs> I like that when they blacken their hair again, this also feels like taken out of a, a film noir as well. Of just yeah. like taking shoe polish to blacken your hair to hide. Probably my favorite running gag of the episode is the, sh the various shoe polish jokes. I thought that was a smart <laughs> and funny animation. The way Lisa does look like a Powerpuff girl. I enjoy that. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that this, this episode actually lived on with some friends of mine because we would play tabletop uh, games. And whenever there was a strongman character, like a barbarian or whatever, we would either choose the name Rockstar strongo or lance uppercut oh, <laughs> those are great so that's what i associate this episode with uh just living on uh, for a few years of tabletop gaming we all we all have max power but i think lance uppercut might be better rock strongo definitely better. oh yeah yeah then homer homer is really i mean also the extra comedy of him let me just put on my glasses and then mm -hmm. drawing his angry eyebrows on they have a lot of fun with that <laughs> Also, yes, Lisa does look kind of like Buttercup, the, uh, uh, the the Powerpuff Girl, when she blackens her hair. It's true. Mm -hmm. 
but this is when Homer calls home. He almost gets caught, uh, and they, they're able to track him. This is how Wiggum actually ends up at their hotel later. But I like their expectant looks when they want Marge to make them dinner. I love that, too. <laughs> but this is when Homer finally has to tell the truth to Lisa. If the election were held today, would you <laughs> vote for A, the cups are there, or B, you're free to talk? A, and I'd like to add that proposition hug Lisa from me has my full support. Oh, Marge, you're not getting it. It's me, Homer Simpson. <laughs> we got a location, Chief. Good work, Lou. We'll leave right after dinner. Lisa, this is from your mom. Uh, uh. uh, life on the lamb is really hard, but at least it's with you, Dad. I feel terrible for putting you through this after what a wonderful father you've been. Oh, Lisa, I can't lie to you any longer. This is all my fault. I'm the worst dad in the world. What? Why? The man who framed you as a crooked detective, who I hired. Why did you do that? To find out everything about you so I'd seem like a good father. How could you? Well, all the childless drunks at most thought it was a great idea. <laughs> Let's just get some sleep. That's great. Now, there was an episode, season 10 or 11 or whatever, that Henry and I covered called Make Room for Lisa. And it had a similar plot in which Homer is trying to make up for uh, committing some grave sin against Lisa and trying to treat her right and take her places. And at the end of the episode, Lisa's like, you know, Dad, I've been a real pain in the ass and you always do nice things for me. And he's like, I know, honey. And that's like the message. It's very dad-pilled. But here, they do a nice turn away from that where Lisa apologizes and Homer's like, no, actually, I'm wrong and here's why. And he has to live with the fallout. I think it's a much better approach to that kind of story i agree not written by a father so maybe that was yeah, it yeah maybe oh yeah you're right it's not a, it's not built around a po children need to apologize to me well i mean that it wasn't written by that uh by mike scully but that was in his season and mike scully wrote the most fatherly episode this season where everyone apologizes to homer after he insults them on national television <laughs> yes yes that's right strummer vacation yeah. i like that homer comes clean it's good it, it's actually like nice in uh, for homer yeah. instead of just like cruel to lisa yeah it's, it's a better better emotional arc for sure and also i like they get one last uh shoe polish joke with homer drawing three tears on his eyes <laughs> uh under his eyes there on the commentary, by the way, uh, Weird Al is on the commentary because they recorded really? it back to back with the episode he's actually on yeah. <laughs> from this season. But it's really weird. Like Weird Al just interjects occasionally with funny statements on it. Uh, it's good. And I learned that Weird Al fact. I had forgot or relearned it that the David Silverman worked with him on their mo that Money for Nothing parody. Oh. Yeah, he designed the characters for the 3D uh, element of that, uh, the CGI element of that video. But Weird Al jokes that Homer doing those tears means that he killed three people. Is what That's that right. Means. Yeah, you get, get, get the spider webs on the on the elbows and all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> then we have a quick like basically the ending of fargo of uh, homer escaping as the cops uh mm -hmm. find them in his remote remote hotel they're able to get away and then it briefly becomes bart carney where it's like you know they're going to join the circus which now this was something i extra got as good writing at first i just saw it as rando humor of like cigarette butts filling up a banana like as you unpeel a banana and it's full of cigarette butts that's weird but no it's to show you that monkeys are smoking it's a clue that they found the smoking right. monkeys it all ties together 
<laughs> and tough to draw in HD, by the way, to have a banana be full of crinkled up cigarette butts. Like, it's actually heavily detailed. Mm -hmm. This is when they get caught and cornered. They're told, you're not telling nobody nothing, which does work. In uh, It becomes a triple negative, so it does. It still works. It's not a double negative. And also, this is when he's told, you should have paid the expenses. In retrospect, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I feel like they're trying to evoke Schwarzwalder, but instead of holding a gun on him, he is holding a human cannonball at yeah, him, basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, threatening him with that. And Homer, you know, not only earns Lisa's forgiveness by remembering something about her later, but also, like, he shoves her out of the way and saves her from being crushed by this guy. Rare selfless act. Do you think they remembered the episode Homer Palooza when they were doing this? Like, anybody doing this one? Because it was a seven-year-old episode at this time. I, I don't, th I mean, maybe, but it seems like, in general, if you're writing Homer, you can look at him and say, yeah, he could take a cannonball man to the chest <laughs> and survive. Because it, it's even uh, similarly posed of the, the classic little clip we all saw growing up of the man getting hit with a uh, cannonball in the gut oh yeah if this treated the episode homer palooza as reality then homer would die uh when he took this because he could never get hit again <laughs> oh that's right i well, forgot yes You're cannons right. are yeah. designed to hurt this should have ended his career as or his character designed to hurt yeah yeah but instead it only injures the man i i i do like line of like oh that fixed my back oh no wait it's much worse mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And now it's time for something that all animators love doing, and that's Lady from Shanghai parodies. Anytime you see mm -hmm. someone in a hall of mirrors being stalked by someone else with a gun, yeah. it's from the classic Orson Welles movie, but makes the animators work very, very hard. And uh, they do a pretty good job here. I think they are very lucky that Mark Kirkland loves film noir, and he's like, yeah, we're going to do the extra work to parody such a, a iconic film noir scene. That's, you know, I haven't seen that movie. I've only seen the 800 things that parody it. I need to, I, I've watched a lot of Orson Welles ones but I need to check out that one it's definitely worth it and I love the beginning of this scene because it reminds me a lot of the Tamako episode in which we have the shock of Homer just getting shot on screen yes, right. <laughs> yeah he gets wounded. although there's no wound there's no wound or anything yeah. but just he immediately gets shot in the heart <laughs> I, I have all the lines here because this entire confrontation is full of hilarious bits here <laughs> now what are you gonna do you can't shoot all of us damn it <laughs> you know Simpson from the moment you walked into my office, I had a feeling I'd kill you in a hall of mirrors. Dad, are you in here? How did she find us? Oh, Lisa has excellent hearing. Once when she was three, I was quietly sobbing in the closet and she found me. Oh, Dad, you do remember something about me. Perhaps you also remember this laser Bart gave me earlier. <laughs> I can't see. How ironic. Now he's blind after a life of enjoying being able to see. <laughs> Every line of that is great. Like I wrote, I wrote them all down. Like, I mean, saying that he knew he was going to kill him in a hall of mirrors, Homer, mm -hmm. Homer's sweet story revealing that he actually hid in a closet. So his children wouldn't see him sobbing for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. And even the way Lisa says, and uh, perhaps you also remember like just their way to say to the audience, Hey, we did set this up. I don't just randomly <laughs> have a laser pointer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in case you're worried about a cult, uh, in the next scene he's seeing comfortably as he's being escorted away. Yeah, he's he's not actually. I mean, it's hilarious to hear on the commentary. Yardley Smith is there, and even she's like, "So Lisa permanently blinded someone," <laughs> and they're just goofing on her and going like, "Yeah, she did, she did it." But yep. no, you you can see him using his eyes in the next scene. But yes, also just that he says it's ironic. Now he's blind after a life of enjoying being able to see. <laughs> just. <laughs> 
fuck, that's a good line. But of course, they they have one last bit here that they have to do, which is the ending credits has to be or right before the ending credits. They need a bestiality joke. So the happy ending <laughs> is that the that the uh, the test animals get loosed into the uh, into the wild. But then Cletus is having sex. He's at least making out with them. Let's uh, yeah. I would assume he's, fr- he's not frisky. just kissing. Yeah. Um, but... What's Cletus's wife's name? That's a trivia question. Is that? Oh, is it Lurley? Brandine. Brandine. Thank you. I was thinking Lurley. That's the different character. Brandine. Thank you. Brandine is both his. His wife, mother, sister, and aunt, I think. Uh, We've expanded the Cletus family so far. So we have uh, Diabetti and I think Gummy Sue. Is it Gummy Sue? Yeah, Gummy Sue. Yeah, yeah. You know, the show's been going on long enough that they had a dedicated Brandine episode that really deepened her character in this last year. Check that out. But it's also funny, like, this is like a triple punch of the Simpsons treacle cutter, as they call it, where they like, they have Homer shot, but then they have a sweet moment and then they blind a guy and then they have another sweet moment of them reconnecting and, and homer and lisa hugging and then they're like no we need a bestiality joke let's not end on a sweet moment let's end sure, on sure. a pig being <laughs> making out with a man and then they're like you know what the very last thing after that should be hearing more of miles davis like let's make you think of a guy having sex with a pig and then <laughs> hearing miles davis music but of course the very final scene of the episode is over the credits which apparently they had it at a different part in the episode maybe that too is why there's no other deleted scenes on the dvd because this was the other big deleted scene and they just put it over the credit a practice they were starting around this time mm-hmm. but i'm glad they put it in there because it gives lisa an even happier ending because she eventually got the gifts she asked for oh, yeah. instead you of you know being like screwed over and a bad birthday mm-hmm yeah, I think this is also a way for the writers to make sure Fox would show the entire credits instead of smashing them down. Oh, this is not quite the air in which they ran the credits like triple speed I didn't even as the next that, show was yeah. starting. I think it was just their way of, you know, using uh, a scene that they wanted people to see, but also saying if we include this at the end, you have to show at, at least like 80% of the screen mm-hmm. our credits. Yeah, yeah that's, that's clever. Very crafty. They did the same thing on the uh, the special Edna episode uh, where they put the, uh, the what do I think of the pie song over the credits. And, and yeah, I found the original like as aired credits because I tried to find commercials to of classic Simpsons to put in the podcast for listeners. But mm-hmm. that one wasn't the credits were up there, but it doesn't have them saying next week on The Simpsons this because they're showing these scenes over the credits. So, yeah, it's them. Yeah. It's them protecting their credits, which is a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah, that's nice. But uh, but yes, the the episode truly ends with Homer being electrocuted many times by the gift he bought. <laughs> so no good deed goes unpunished in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think this episode is full of like hilarious things. Like there's it has some of the best writing. The animation too, by 14 standards, I think Kirkland got a lot out of his team, especially in the great Hall of Mirrors thing. Which yeah. you know you think about how a Hall of Mirrors has like 32 Homers on screen. You know you don't tell a computer repeat Homer 32 times you draw homer 32 times for multiple angles oh, yeah. that's what you do very, very laborious now they can tell the computer course. that they finally listen to us now <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> bob thank you for reminding me mo baby blues i do remember being my favorite season 14 back in the day i haven't watched it again in a little while i'm curious if i will end up thinking that one's better than this one but at least so far this is my favorite season 14 episode we've we've done so far i think so i'll agree with that i do like this one a lot it is getting back to some emotionality without being completely cynical about it and it also includes uh, some wacky season 14 stuff like a man trying to murder Homer in the third act <laughs> but ultimately uh, there's a lot of really funny jokes and I will carry Rock Strongo and Lance Uppercut with me into uh, the future. I need to start naming like characters I play in online RPGs after these two guys because I think they're great names. Yeah. Uh, Django any final thoughts on this episode? 
I think it's great. I love the animation. I always love, like I said, I always love a home release of plot. Um, a lot of funny gags. Bridge Outstanding kind of comes to the top for me, I think. But I also like the Jeff Lynn thing. I think this one's a banger. And thank you so much, Jenga, for coming on this one and hearing all of our writer's room questions about sandwiches oh, absolutely. and whatnot. <laughs> you learned uh, no Indian food. Uh, you're not licensing Pink Floyd uh-huh. uh, yet. Yep. <laughs> yes. Piercing the veil a little bit for you guys. But please tell us where we can find you online and more about your uh, comedy special, which is, again, uh, a great uh, check it out. Uh, we fully endorse it. Absolutely. Well, that's what I like to hear. Uh, yeah, where you can find me most recently is you go on YouTube and look for Django Gold Bag of Tricks. That's where my debut comedy special is out. It's getting rave reviews, apparently from two out of two Talking Simpsons podcasters and other people as well. <laughs> uh, and other than that, you can find me on the socials. Handle is usually at Django Industries, one word, except on Twitter slash X, where it's just at Django. But really, check out Bag of Tricks. You won't regret it. That's awesome, man. And yeah, you know, you mentioned your onion background. Like, what's a headline that's one of your most proud of? I'm, I'm curious about that, too. Uh, that's a great question. There were so many of them. It's sometimes hard to whittle them down. I like the one that recently we ran over the summer is, um, man has bathing suit that's touched his penis you can borrow. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. That is, that is very good. That one, that was a favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that, well, thank you again, Django. This was a lot of fun. Yes, thank you, Django. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great. Thanks again to Django Gold for being on Talking Simpsons. Please check out his special bag of tricks. But as for us, if you want to hear more of us and get these episodes one week at a time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and sign up for five bucks a month. That will get you the episodes in advance, but also over 150 full-length miniseries episodes covering things like The Critic, Mission Hill, Batman the Animated Series, Futurama, and King of the Hill. And that five bucks a month also gets you regular monthly episodes of both Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill. And the second you sign up, you'll have access to everything we've done for the past six plus years years immediately at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and there is a ten dollar level as well when you sign up for that you can access all of the five dollar stuff naturally but then you can also access one mega long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher and what is that henry bob's talking about the what a cartoon movie podcast where we go super in depth into an animated feature film like we do an episode of the simpsons which often means talking for over four five or even six hours about a classic animated movie last month we started up the halloween season right with talking about the spiritual successor to nightmare before christmas corpse bride or tim burton's corpse bride we have fun dunking on that very mid movie but this month we are talking about an anime classic from 1986 project echo which just recently got a really great remaster released on blu-ray you can find it free in lots of places but we're about to hit our fifth year of doing what a cartoon movie so there are five whole years worth over 200 hours of what a cartoon movies at your fingertips everything from akira to a goofy movie including our longest podcast ever six and a half hours hours about who framed roger rabbit and not a second is wasted on that in-depth historical podcast check out everything you are missing at patreon.com slash talking simpsons as for me i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. you can find me on twitter as bob servo and my other podcast is retronauts that's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games you can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts and sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month and i also have a book out by the way it is the boss fight books volume all about day of the tentacle the classic point-and-click adventure game i did a very in-depth oral history about the making of that game you can find that book at boss fight books website or wherever you find books and hey if you had a book i'd buy it. Henry, how about you? 
You can follow me on all the social medias as H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm always posting it up on the post box there. And also, if you're following me and Bob on Twitter, please follow the official account at Talk Simpsons Pod wherever you follow things because at Talk Simpsons Pod is how you stay in the loop whenever we're doing new podcasts, whenever there's something happening on the Patreon, even when we have live shows like one that just happened or is happening and is happening soon, you'll know when it happens if you follow at talk simpsons pod everywhere and if you need an easy to follow list of all of our previously released free podcasts head on over to talkingsimpsonspodcast.com thanks so much for listening folks we'll see you again next time for season four's marge gets a job and we'll see you then pointer thanks bart it's really cool you can point a red dot at people's crotches from really far away hmm there appears to be a red dot on my trouser front i'd better lower them the dot also appears to be on my underpants well down they go hey buddy you better get that red dot checked out my uncle died a crotch dot